Hi, you're listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. Produced by students and staff at the University of Southern California, we seek to connect and equip students to know Jesus, live a life honoring to him, and make him known to their community. Learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com and connect with us on social media at USC Christian Challenge. Tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to take some time and we're going to look at what is the work of a laborer. Now, one of the things that is true is, you know, if you're wanting to find that out, you ought to really sit at the feet of one of the people who's probably been one of the best laborers ever, and that's the Apostle Paul. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to learn from him tonight. We're going to look primarily at two passages. In one of them, he really points out what is the goal of laboring? Where, what are we working towards? And in the other one, he, he points out really what is the process of laboring? What are we going to be about? You know, how do you go about that? Because, you know, if you decide, yeah, you know what? I really need to be a laborer. Then you need to know what does a laborer do? It kind of helps to know that if you're going to be one. So let's look at the goal to start with. And if you have a Bible, you can look this up right there. If not, you can take it by faith. But in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, Paul says this. He says, we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And he says, for this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Now, there's several things I want us to see from this as we look at it. One of them is that first phrase he used. He says, every man, every man. In fact, he uses it three times, every man, every man. Why didn't he just say, you know, Everybody. Well, the real reason he's wanting to emphasize the individual. It's not just enough to say, oh, this is for everybody. He's saying, no, every person, every individual, every man, it's an individual thing. No one's to be left out. He's saying, you know, if, if they are a long ways from God, or if they're a short ways away from God, or if they are really growing in their walk with God, the goal that you have with every one of them is exactly the same. Exactly the same. The goal is to present the next thing he has right there, to present every man complete or mature in Christ. That's the goal. Spiritually mature adults, no, no longer babies, you know. And so helping a person come to maturity so that they can reproduce that life in the life of someone else. It's just like we talked about parenting yesterday. You know, the goal when you're a parent is to raise them and get them out of the house to where they can go and raise others and get them out of the house, you know, and you, you want to continue that pattern. You want to continue to raise them up. A third thing I want you to look at right there is notice the pronoun. When you look at that, we, we, I, and me. We, you know, Paul, Paul says, you know, um, we are all working on this. You know, we, it's a team effort. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man completing Christ. Every labor needs to be part of a we. You can't do this on your own. You know, it's, you need to be connected with others and working together as a part of a team. But Paul also says, you know, if you notice the I right there, he says, I'm working on that too. I'm working on it with all 
the strength, striving according to his power with all the strength God provides for me. And then he says, you know, he's laboring. The word that he uses right there, it's a word, it means, uh, in the Greek, it means to, to kind of toil. It means to work until you're worn out. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? I work at this until I am worn out. But he also says the next part right there, according to his power. In other words, Paul's not just looking to use his own strength to labor, but what he really is doing is he's tapping in to God's power. And he says, you know, it is God working through us. Paul mentions that again when he's talking to the Romans in Romans 15, 18. He says, I will not venture to speak except for what Christ has wrought through me for the salvation of the Gentiles. So, you know, Paul was keenly aware that it was the work of God working through him. So in that passage right there in Colossians, Paul tells us, guys, this is the goal, that no matter where anyone is, you start where they are, but the goal is to present everyone complete in Christ. That's the goal. I want to present everyone complete. Then in 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells us, here's the process. Now, the thing I love about this, Paul, you know, he describes it for them um, partly by telling them what he did. And one of the reasons he does that is because he, he understands some things very well. In fact, let me, just, let, me, let me just tell you about several of the places he says this. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, Paul says, Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. And then again in, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, You follow me as I follow Christ. And then in Philippians 3.17, he says, Join together in following my example." brothers and sisters, and, and see, uh, and just as you've had us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And then in, again, to the Philippians, in Philippians 4, 9, he says, the things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. See, what Paul understood was this, that if they were really going to get it, if they were, if it was going to really make sense to them, they had to see someone else that was doing it. They had to see someone else that was living that out. Now, Luke, who traveled a lot with Paul, not our Luke, but their Luke, uh, who traveled a lot with Paul, you know, he reminds us that that was exactly how Jesus taught. In fact, in Acts 1-1, when Luke is writing to his friend Theophilus and telling him about things, he starts the book off this way. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, a lot of times you read that, you read right over it, but did you get what he said there? All that Jesus began to do and teach. Usually we say something like this. You need to practice what you preach. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus preached what he practiced. He did it, and then he said something about it. That's what we need to do. That's what Paul's talking about. Paul's saying, guys, when I tell you about how to be a laborer, one of the best ways I can do that is by just showing you my life and telling you what I've been doing. And so that's what he does. So it, to the Thessalonians, in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, what Paul does is in one verse, he sums up everything it means to be a laborer. He sums it all up in one simple verse. And I'll go ahead and tell you, in case any of you fall asleep later on, or in case you know you get called away or there's a hurricane where you are, something like that, I'll go ahead and tell you what they are. 
He tells us laborers love people. Laborers share the gospel. Laborers share their lives. Laborers love people. Laborers share the gospel. Laborers share their lives. So 1 Thessalonians 2.8, what Paul says is this. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own life as well. So the very first phrase right there in kind of 8a, he says, because we love you so much, laborers love people. Laborers love people. Now, what does that tend to look like to really love people? Well, if you look at the example of Jesus, you know, you see several things. One, you know, you just, you befriend them. That's what you do. In fact, in John 15, 15, when Jesus is talking to the 12 that are following him, he says, I call you my friends. You know, he, he befriended them. He did all kinds of, I mean, we read the Bible sometimes and I think we're looking at it kind of like it's, you know, some voodoo book or something. And it's not, you know, I mean, it's, it's God's word. And what you see in there is clearly, you know, what went on. And so like with Jesus, you see, what did he do with the disciples? He went to weddings with them. He went to funerals. He had barbecues. He had picnics, albeit large picnics, sometimes 4,000 or 5,000, but they were picnics. You know, he, um, he went boating with them. Uh, he hung out in their homes. He helped them on different things. You know, sometimes he corrected them. So, I mean, you know, he did all the things that friends do. That's what Jesus did. What you find is this. If you're going to befriend people, that takes time. Laboring takes time. You have to take time to listen. You've got to take time to help. You've got to take time to train. The problem is a lot of times we don't really like relating to people because it interferes with our life. And we think, I've already got something I'm doing. I mean, why do I want to let people mess that up? Well, because that's what Jesus gave his life for. You know, laborers befriend others because laborers love people. But loving them isn't just befriending them. Another aspect of loving them is accepting them. Accepting them. You know, Jesus accepted people not because of what they did, but because of what he could do for them. Jesus accepted them. You know, if you'll look around, not any of you, but other people you know, sometimes their greatest fear that if they are actually open and honest about where they are, you won't accept them. They won't be accepted. Now, the answer is, yes, they should be accepted. Now, some of you I know immediately you kind of go, but I don't approve of everything they're doing. You don't have to approve of them to accept them. Acceptance doesn't mean approval. Acceptance means acceptance. And what you find is when you accept folks, you get influence. Acceptance yields influence. And so you want to really love people. You want to really accept them. Laborers accept others because laborers love people. And the third aspect of loving others, just serving them. Look for practical ways to serve and meet needs in the lives of people you're laboring. Just look for practical ways to, you know, when, when I was in school, one of the guys that I was building into was on the basketball team. And he also was not that good in uh, free throws. 
And you know, one of the things we used to do, we used to go over to the gym and I would sit there and catch the ball and throw it back out to him and he would shoot free throws. And I catch the ball and throw it back out to him and he'd shoot free throws. And I catch the ball and throw it back. You know how monotonous that gets to be? But you know what? It was something he needed to do and it was an opportunity for us to get together. So you just look for practical ways to serve people. Labors serve others because laborers love people. But you know, the second thing labors do, labors share the gospel. In 8b right there, he says, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God. So in other words, that was one of the first things they did share was the gospel of God. Labors know that the hope of the world is the gospel. The hope of the world is the gospel. You know, one of my favorite books I read when I was in college was a story about this guy that, I mean, by the time he was 10 years old, he was already an accomplished thief. I mean, he was stealing money from his parents, stealing money from others. The guy was just, you know, crazy. Um, his mom, just a few years later, while she was laying, dying in bed, he was out playing cards and drinking, running around. You know, in fact, he tried all kinds of reform. He, he joined the church and, you know, thought that was going to do it. And, um, by his own words, right before he went through confirmation stuff, he said he was guilty of gross immorality. You know, he, he tried education, but that only really made him a more clever thief. He tried all, he was constantly trying new things. And he found himself consistently in and out of jail, in jail, out of jail. Then one day, he ran into an old friend of his who was beginning to be a laborer. And as he began to talk with him, he invited him to come around to a fellowship he was a part of. And as he got around there, he got exposed to the gospel of God. And his life was changed forever. And we know him today as George Mueller, a guy who, who um, was instrumental during the time of Charles Dickens in saving thousands and thousands of orphans and in helping missionaries all over the world. But the gospel really changes life. Labors share the gospel. That's what labors do. You know, every time I read in the paper lately, I, I see something that talks about how people from different backgrounds and races and so, socioeconomic things that they just don't get along and the government needs to do something to correct this and society needs to do something to correct. And I, I, I agree with most of that. I think that's true. But you know, a lot of times as I'm reading those stories, there's, there's different pictures that come, come to my mind. One of them, one of them is this picture right here. And let me share it with you. It's this one right here. I'll look at that and I'll think, you know what? You could not find three more different people than those folks right there. Constance, Ifalola, and Natalie. And yet, an amazing thing. What tens of thousands of dollars and all sorts of government programs can't seem to pull off the gospel of Jesus Christ has. They are wonderful friends. They love being around each other. They love doing things together. You know, the thing that could not change them, all the things, I mean, you talk about different, you will not find more different people. I mean, different in every way you can possibly think of. And yet, their hearts really united because of the gospel. 
See, what laborers understand is the gospel really changes people. Laborers share the gospel. And laborers understand that sharing the gospel is really a privilege. Um, you know, when Jesus gave the Great Commission to make disciples of all the nations, he wasn't weighing us down with a burden. What he was doing was infusing our life with meaning and significance and purpose. In Acts chapter 10, you see a picture of that. In Acts chapter 10, if you read this, and if you haven't read Acts chapter 10 lately, you ought to, because quite frankly, you ought to read the Bible. It's really good. But you go to Acts chapter 10, and what you see is this. In Acts 10, um, Cornelius, it calls him a God-fearing man. It says Cornelius was there, and he was really, you know, trying to figure out who God was, trying to find God, and an angel appears. And an angel tells him, Cornelius, go to this house up here, up the street, down the way and stuff, and ask for Peter, and have Peter come back here, and you'll be good. And so Cornelius does, and sure enough, he goes and he tells Peter, Peter's been having this dream, and God's been showing him that things are clean, and he's okay to do it. And so Peter goes along with him. Peter comes back and Peter shows, shares the gospel with Cornelius. And then Cornelius and all of his household end up coming to faith. Now you read that and you think, well, that's really cool. But did you ever wonder, why didn't the angel just share? I mean, why, why, why all the middlemen? Why didn't the angel just share the gospel with Cornelius? He was right there. You know why? Peter tells us, Angels long to look into the things of God like that. They long to look into the gospel, but that is reserved for us alone. Labors share the gospel. That's what they did. And the third thing, labors share their lives. He tells him in the last part of that verse right there, he said, labors, he said, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. In fact, a laborer gives his or her life to people. Paul tells the Corinthians, I will most gladly spend and be expended for your soul. He understood laborers share their life. So, so what do they share? What, what is that? Well, one of the very first things is, is they share how to lay a foundation. When Paul's talking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11, he says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But let each man be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So one of the things a laborer does is he helps people really get the right foundation in their life and shows them how to begin to build on that. You know, he shows them like how to get their own groceries. How do you get into the word of God for yourself? How do you begin to get the word of God in you? How do you begin to live that out? The foundations are, are crucial. You know, we live right now in, in kind of earthquake country. You know, people are worried about earthquakes. They talk about them. You know, they make movies like San Andreas about them. They, they do all kinds of things, you know, with earthquakes, mainly worry but they also prepare for them. Melinda and I were talking with this gal that works in this office in West LA. And she was telling us that like when, when the Northridge earthquake came through, she worked on the, like the 15th floor of this office building. 
And she said it was really kind of interesting because the way they built this building, they put in a lot of time on the foundation. And they even put these rollers, rollers, under the building. So whenever the earthquake happened, the building kind of rolled this way and kind of rolled back this way and then settled in. No damage to the building. When you're on the 15th floor, though, and the building is rolling, she said, now that got a little scary. But, you know, no damage. In fact, with all of the magnitude of that earthquake, I think it was like a 6.5 or something, you know, with all the magnitude of that earthquake, only like 50 some people lost their lives in the entire thing. You juxtaposition that with just a little while later, they had an earthquake down in South America. I think it was Colombia. They had an earthquake down there in over 10 times that amount of people lost their lives. In fact, I think it was closer to like uh, 15 times the amount of people lost their lives and millions of dollars worth of damage. What caused the difference? Building codes. You can build things down in Colombia without worrying about a foundation whatsoever. You know what? In the United States, they don't really like you to do that. And so what you find is if you pay attention to the foundation, it makes all the difference in the world. That same thing is true with your life. If you start off with the right foundation and you pay attention to the foundation, it makes all the difference in whether or not you're going to be able to do well long term. So one of the things laborers do, they help to lay a foundation. Laborers share their lives. But they not only do that, they also share with people how to live life. You know, Paul's talking in Colossians 1 through 3, and he talks about things like put off and put on, put off and put on. We had a guy that was uh, here a couple of years ago, well, now several years ago. He was uh, uh, on the football team, and he had come to Christ, and he was beginning to, you know, kind of learn to walk with him. And one day we're sitting down and chatting, and he, you know, he says, it's really hard to figure out how to insert a whole new life into the life you're already living. How do you do that? I thought, well, that's a great question. And so I asked him, we were kind of sitting there for a minute, and I was thinking about it. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have the same wardrobe you have when, you know, since you've come to California? He goes, oh, no, it's different. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I said, how, how did you change that out? He goes, I just bought new stuff as I was going along. I was like, uh-huh. So I took him over to Colossians, and we looked at this, what Paul says, put this off, put this on. Put this off, put this on. I told him, you know what? The way you introduce a new life to yourself is kind of like the same way you buy a wardrobe. It's like one piece at a time. You know, maybe you buy more sometimes. But, you know, I mean, the bottom line is this. You, you put off and you put on. You begin to change. So what a laborer does is a laborer helps somebody learn how to do that. They help someone learn how, how do you grow and develop in your relationship with God? How do you grow and develop in your relationship with other people? That's what a laborer does. Laborers share their lives. And laborers share with them how to help other people as well. They show them how to share the gospel. Laborers show them how to lead small groups. They even show them how to labor. They show them how to build into other people's lives. 
you guys are going to get um, a privilege here soon. You're going to get a chance to hear from this gal named Olga. And one of the things that's true about her, she grew up in a really tough background in East LA. But when life looked like it was falling apart and she'd lived enough of it up to that point to have it pretty rough, enter a labor and her entire life began to turn around. In fact, not only did it turn around, but then God took her on an adventure where she really began to help others and she became a laborer herself. What laborers do is they share their lives. Now, you may not have figured this out yet, but there are going to be moments in your life. There's going to be certain times that there are moments that when you look back on them in your life, they really are definitive moments. They really define your life. Now, at the time, you may not think much of them at all, but you may not even think about them at, at all. But later on in reflection, you realize, wow, that was a pivotal, pivotal point in my now, for me, many of those <clears throat> involve a, a real friend of mine named Mike, who is a dear, dear friend. And years ago, we were at one of my favorite places on earth, a place called Glen Eyre. And so we're there and we're, it's this castle up in the hills in Colorado. And he and I had gone on a hike. He wanted to go on this hike. So we were going up to this guy's grave up there in the hill. And we hike up there and we'd just gotten up there and we'd been sitting up there for a couple of minutes. And he looks over at me and he says, you think you could drop down anywhere in the world and have a ministry? And I, I'm kind of thinking, what the heck? You know, and I said, um, uh, I don't know. And he goes, huh, wonder why not? Gets up and starts walking down the hill. I thought, what the heck are you doing? You know, and so I get up and I'm kind of walking back down the hill. But all the rest of the time we were up there, which was the remainder of a week, all the rest of that time, and actually for the next year, Boy, that question just dogged me. Can you drop down anywhere in the world and have a ministry? And I kept thinking, if I can't, why can't I? What do I need to work on? And honestly, in large measure, I think that was part of the reason we ended up at USC. It was because I was able to answer that question and work on those things. See, the question was great because that's what a laborer can do. You drop them down anywhere in the world and come back sometime later, and you will find other laborers there because that's what laborers do. Laborers produce labor. Now, the question I would have for you guys tonight is, you know, are you, are you willing to be a laborer in the harvest? You know, you may think, well, that actually kind of sounds like work. Well, I mean, let me put your mind at ease. It is. It's hard work. You know, you think, well, so why be a laborer so others may live? We need to open our eyes, guys, and we need to see that Jesus's analysis still stands. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. But a solution still stands as well. So tonight, what I would encourage you to do is this. Sometime tonight before you go to bed, go stand out on your porch or your balcony or the front of your place, whatever that is, you know, 
and began to pray for the people in the apartments and in the houses around you, even if you don't know their name, began to ask God, God, would you send a laborer to them? See what happens. That is the mission of a disciple. Let me pray for us, and I'll turn it back over. Father, would you, uh, in your kindness and uh, just in your purposefulness, Father, would you help your word to really take root in our hearts? And Father, would you help us be committed to the very thing that you're committed to? Labor. Jesus, you set the pace in that the entire time you were here. And Father, we, uh, we know that that's your heart, that you long for laborers. In fact, you welcome laborers anytime, day or night. You, you long for them to, to get out there. So Father, would you create that heart in us that we would really join you and uh, labor to see others. Hard, hot, sweaty, thankless, Help us to join you in that. And as we do, Father, would you really bless that so others really will. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. If you enjoyed it, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It helps us reach others with these resources. Once again, you can learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com or find us on social media at USC Christian Challenge.